What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me again in the host spotlight, love this dude to death, Mark Francis. What is up? Mark, how you doing, my friend? It's been a while. Yeah, good to see you. I'm excited. Right? It's been a couple weeks. It's been a few weeks. Um, I always see you around, but we don't really yeah. get to connect a whole lot. Uh, but I know we have this podcast. You we know have what I mean? Podcast. It's only a matter of time. Love you. Thank you for being here. Yep. Are you uh, Are you excited today? You seem a little uh, yeah. down. Just okay. No, yeah, I'm excited. Not for not the cold weather. No particular reason. I okay. love the cold weather. It okay. also snowed today, by the way, guys. That's what I heard. Uh, I saw. I yeah, straight up flurry. So yeah. uh, super exciting. You've heard him already. He's back with us, Senior Pastor Mark Carey. Mark, how you doing, my friend? Good. Good. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Thanksgiving is next week. Yeah. That's wild. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. It is the early. season. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Mm. So we'll be fun. We'll be a fun time. Uh, gentlemen, you know what we're here for. Why yes. don't we jump into a, a Sunday in review, uh, talking through Acts. Uh, I mentioned it here on the podcast a couple weeks ago. We, we've kind of been waving a wand over Acts a little bit, kind of going back and forth, seeing what, what's been going on in this chapter, a lot to unpack. Uh, Francis, I'll come your way first, and then yeah. Mark, we'll see what you have for us. Well, coming off of your sermon the week before... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mark, you went backwards in time mm-hmm. a little bit. And um, covering this idea of repent and be baptized. So mm-hmm. I just want to encourage you, Mark, and be like, this is needed. This is an important um, subject and topic to cover because it is an unusual um, unusual language that we don't find um, mm-hmm. at least talked about here at FBC of, you know, what does it take to be saved? And believe. <laughs> believe in Lord Jesus Christ. We'll get to that in Acts 16. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you see repent and be baptized, it can be confusing. And and here we are at FBC, I call us a melting pot of, of sorts, of people who attend our church, mm-hmm. a melting pot of different backgrounds, different denominations, and different ideas of even theology of what they might have been taught in in the past. I'm one of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> coming from different background and being kind of more streamlined to what does scripture say um, here attending at FBC. And you can get confused. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people out there who need to hear truth like this in a way that repent and be baptized is not means of salvation. Mm-hmm. And so how can we as people do our own digging to find out what does scripture say, but then hear from the pulpit, this is the interpretation and this is the context, um, and this is the audience of mm-hmm. who Peter was speaking to when he's calling us to, be, to repent and be baptized. So unpacking those two words to me is helpful. So I just want to thank you for that, because I know at least for us in Fellowship 3 and for those that, heard, that were on the live stream, they heard you say, and you might have said it in the second service too, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> So we want to hear from you, Mark, and say, what were you unsure about? But then, you know, how can you elaborate some more? Well, and, and I'd like to learned? jump in here, too, because I'm a little bit the opposite. My my background is this church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up here, and I didn't hit a lot of kind of different ways of interpreting Scripture until college and until I'd attend some mm-hmm. church. And there was some some theological benefit of the doubt, I think, and then I'd be like wait a minute, what? You know, and you do come across a yeah. lot of different... <laughs> uh, Interpretations. Taken, yeah, or yeah. text out of context, right, and misapplied and all that stuff. And so, yeah, I, you know, I know you mentioned like this This could be a podcast, but I was so glad we did that from up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, especially for young people, 
that I can identify with, especially for new people who you don't know where they're coming from. I don't think a lot of churches like to even say the phrase, this gets misapplied a lot. Here's what it's actually saying, because it can be controversial. It can seem a little bit like, you know, but but the Bible is so important to get right. And so I, I just appreciated that we did that. Well, Mark, you haven't talked yet, but I will also share a quick story that after church, I was able to hang out with somebody. We had a potluck lunch in Fellowship 3, and this was the first mm. time that he was here. First time in the building, and this is the sermon that he got. This is the church that he was exposed to, and he was here for other reasons, but it, it, this is the first church service that he attended at FBC. Gotcha. And I asked him, what did you think? Because you heard Mark say this could be a podcast and not a sermon, but mm. this, essentially he was like, he was enthralled by it, and to the point where he, he was shocked how there was this expository teaching that we elaborated on words in the passage so much so that he was taking elaborate notes diving into the scriptures that you pointed to uh, to make references to these baptism and repent kind of themes or just the believe themes and acts and he was writing he was like we're going too fast i'm writing them down so much <laughs> and he was soaking it all in so from a perspective of somebody who is not a normal fbc attender to appreciate and listening and just soak in the text in this way from the sermon i thought was great so that can encourage you hopefully yeah well, the, um, the, 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 the one concern that I had, pastoral concern, is that um, I can remember my, one of my professors at Dallas Seminary 40-some years ago, Dr. Haddon Robinson, who taught homiletics, always said, you, you, you don't only exegete the text, but you make sure you also exegete your audience, mm -hmm. who's out there. And so... My struggle is what do you what is this? How does this passage? Mm. If you if you're a, a single mom trying to raise three kids on a budget that is not making ends meet month after month, what does it matter if repent, repent and be baptized and mikvahs and all this stuff? You know, you know, sure. see what I'm saying? <laughs> and yet, God's word is living and powerful, and all Scripture is inspired and is profitable. I've made a comment time and time again, uh, well, oftentimes in our study of Acts so far, that Acts is not, um, it, it's it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive literature, it's descriptive. Hmm. And maybe I need a, a clarification on that. Someone raised that with me and a good comment. What I mean by that is it's describing the events that are unfolding. It's historical literature. But it's still teaching us. It's still prescriptive in the sense the Holy Spirit takes that. Yeah. It's not prescriptive genre of literature. It's not like epistolatory commands and yeah. right that's laid out. And so we have to be careful with that. So in a couple of weeks, when we get to the Ananias and Sapphira passage in chapter five, and the early church, they were selling all their possessions and having all things in common. And there's a sense of communism or socialism mm -hmm. within the church. <laughs> uh, well, some people could say, well. Maybe we, sh we should be doing that today because it's there in Acts. No, Acts was describing what was going on. It's not necessarily prescribing. Mm -hmm. That's the way we have to do mm -hmm. it. Good example. That's my point yeah. uh, on that. And so, but but the, but the struggle was that there. this is a difficult passage. Mm -hmm. There's some technicalities to understand it correctly. And do you take a Sunday and a sermon mm -hmm. when, again, there are people trying to figure out how to pay their bills Come, coming off of a, for some people, a very discouraging election, and the world is going to hell in a handbasket thing, and 
And you know, mm. you, that that's the thing. But we are a teaching church. But I we're, mean, this is a Bible teaching church, and it's there. And it's it's God's word. Yeah. So we 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 have to. So that's that uh, led to ultimately doing that. I, I want to say this too: that um, one thing that I hope a Bible teaching church and Bible centered church does is model how we do Bible study. And so you know, we believe that in the in the plenary, the full inspiration, uh, verbal, plenary, verbal, full interpretation of the scripture. Every word was there because God wanted it to be there. And, um, and so we, we have to deal with the text. So much of where you talked about earlier about different denominations or different beliefs and mm-hmm. the, the melting pot of different beliefs. And that's true. I mean, the nice thing is that if we name the name of Christ, we're brothers and sisters, and, mm-hmm. and but there are different beliefs. Somebody's wrong. Mm-hmm. There's right? one, one God. There is one. You're right. And there's one interpretation. Of, one interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And so <laughs> someone's wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I certainly don't want to think that we are the, you know, we're some type of a know-it-all type church. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I shudder to think all the times I'm wrong on that. And that's mm-hmm. why we have to study to show ourselves approved unto God, like work when he needs to not be ashamed. We have to rightly handle the word of truth. Mm-hmm. But not everybody is rightly handling the word of truth. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a passage, a case in point. And so we have to stay with the text. There are um, There's grammatical things, and I didn't explain many of those, but there are, when you study and try to teach a passage... You, you have to, that matters. Grammar matters. Uh, um, the context matters. Mm-hmm. The immediate context, the, the, the sentences around a, a problematic sentence, the, the uh, paragraphs around it, and then even the books by the same authors. That's why I went to Luke, uh, mm-hmm. the Gospel of Luke, written by the same author. And so mm-hmm. what you have with Luke and Acts is a continuum. Um, the events we're studying in Acts are just 40 days after the end of the book of Acts, when Jesus uh, died. And so it, it, we, we go to, um, th- there are processes of study of sound exegesis that help us come to an interpretation of a passage. And that's, that's because there are pitfalls too. I, I think two pitfalls in Bible study is one, uh, defining a passage spiritually before you define it grammatically. What, what, what God gave it in that way, in you, that order. From an author, we we can easily spiritually. Oh, anytime you see the word save, or anytime you see the word this, that's that, right. You spiritually define before you grammatically it's read. It's eisegesis. You're reading into, into it, it instead of exegesis. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The second thing is there, there's a Bible study model out there that's pretty contagious. A lot of well-known theologians and websites and resources use it. It is the idea of what does it say, what does it mean, and then what does it mean to me. Mm-hmm. That's that's a common mm-hmm. Bible study method. In my college ministry days, that was used heavily with the strongest emphasis on what does it mean to me. Right. There was a weak, if any, emphasis on what does it say and what does it mean. And the reality is the bridge should be pretty short between what does it mean and what does it mean to me. Yeah. Because there's one meaning. Right. That's where we struggle and, with this application versus implementation. Right. And if Don Den Hartog was, was here today, mm-hmm. he'd also say there's really one intended application. Mm-hmm. It's we have mm-hmm. to first ask what is it what what did it mean to them? them. 
How did it apply to mm-hmm. them? And is there that one inter- in, in, uh, intended application? And then now, the, and it could be diverted. Many there still can be many implementations. But, but there is there mm-hmm. is there a core? Right. Bible study is hard work. Um, and, oh yeah. And now th- there was a couple things that I didn't mention, um, and um, it, it, this is just an FYI. But when Peter says, "Repent and be baptized," repent, and each one of you be baptized for the f- remission of sins. If you read other good scholars on that, some will make a point. Uh, there's a little preposition there, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It's a little preposition uh, for, um, and some, and it is grammatically accurate. I mean, it's okay to, that that little preposition can be translated as because, causal. Mm-hmm. So, some people will say that we'll solve the will answer this thorny question. What did Peter mean? Well, he, what he meant was repent and be baptized because you've already received remission of sins. Mm-hmm. So instead of a mm-hmm. uh, in order to get in order to get remission of sins, it's because you already have had it. Mm-hmm. And that little preposition for can be in, in Greek grammars, it can be translated causal as mm-hmm. because. Of course, the question is. Is that what Peter intended? Is that what? And 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 at this point, we don't know. the mm-hmm. the, the The problem with that interpretation is that causal in, uh, um, use of that little preposition is rare. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, it's rare. So it does happen, but did it happen here? And so the the mm-hmm. weight of the evidence, since it's fewer, you know, like. But, but it could be that. The other well, thing... And as you're saying that, I'm looking at the rest of the passage, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There, there's something that still is yet to come with that idea of what you do in order to receive the forgiveness of your sins. So it couldn't have already Applicable for them. If the Holy Spirit was still then yet to come, if we understand Scripture properly. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a difficult... It's a little... Di- it, they would say that all you have to do is, is to repent... Uh, the, the, so repent and be baptized f- because you've received uh, the forgiveness of sins, and they'll tie that also with the repent. Mm-hmm. Now, then there's a a, a syntactical um, interpretation. the The word repent, the command, the imperative repent, is a second person plural, uh, as is the preposition phrase for. The forgiveness of your your sins, second person plural. So the so the repent, second person plural verb goes with the second person uh, plural pronoun, and so repent for the forgiveness of your sins, and the be baptized is secondary. It's actually a third person singular. So some would say that syntactical mm-hmm. uh, way it's laid out would show indicate that the prepositional phrase ties with the first verb. So, the, so you see mm-hmm. why I didn't get into that in the mm-hmm. sermon. Uh, again, I okay. That's there's some truth, I guess, to that. Um, I just thought there was a better mm-hmm. uh, explanation for this. You could take the whole package: repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Who was he talking to? What's the audience? You go back to these basic Bible interpretation st- principles, study principles. Mm-hmm. Who's the context? What is he saying? Who is he saying it to? 
let's not jump to the conclusion where we go right away to our day and age and and uh, or the Pauline epistles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Who was the audience? What is this historical setting? Don't read into the text what is not there. Mm-hmm. What is there? Clearly, he's talking to Jewish people, to the house of Israel, over and over again. That's made clear. Um, the, the other question is, and I mentioned this, but it's a, it, it's a um, it, it's a state it's an argument from silence in a way. When did justification take place? When did these people come to faith in Christ? And I would say it happened in verse um, thirty six uh, and and or and thirty seven. So when he says. Mm. Um, let all the house of Israel know for certain that he has made him the Lord in Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, verse 37, when they heard this, when they heard, they were pierced to the heart. And then they said, what must, what shall we do? Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. piercing of the heart, mm-hmm. that cutting to the heart, that's when it dawned on them. That's when faith, mm-hmm. when, self, when eternal salvation, mm-hmm. justification took place mm-hmm. in that sense when they... Oh, there was a reality of who Jesus was. And who the people were that were speaking to them, brothers. There's a, okay, we're in this together now. Yeah, yeah. And, and then their reactions, yeah. what should we do? What should we do? Mm-hmm. So it, After it, the fact, yeah. Right, after the fact. And so I think there was this, there was truly an awareness of what was going on, of who Jesus was. Um, he is Lord and he is Christ. He died, he rose again. That all was clear in Peter's sermon. They were cut to the heart. Okay, so what are we going to do with this now? Because what were they concerned about? The coming judgment. Mm. They crucified the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so for that, my conclusion was for that audience to whom Peter was addressing that message, something had to happen. They had to do something. Uh and what they had to do is repent in terms of change their thinking now about all of this program of God and um, go through the waters of identification. And um, mm-hmm. that forgiveness of sins will take place of that crucifixion of Christ, what they had, what they had done. And they'll receive the Holy Spirit. And I think the implication is you'll be spared from the coming judgment. So there's the summary right there. I mean, it's, it's about the audience. Yeah. And it's about looking at scripture and who who Peter is talking to in that time yeah. and what is the application to them in that moment. And and so you, you could summarize that in just two sentences and then move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yet we have an entire sermon that you dedicated for it, which is helpful to mm-hmm. unpack the meaning behind repent, behind yeah. baptism, going back to Luke, looking at the passages, looking at what the prophecies in scripture and John the Baptist said and did leading to this point in the historical perspective, I think is all helpful, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to our understanding of soteriology and mm-hmm. the idea of what does oh, it yeah. mean to be saved, looking at scripture because there are confusion words and statements and other spots of scripture that's right that people will point to that say you have to do things that's right um, which we that's another whole podcast, right? Yeah. Uh, bringing it up, you mentioned a few of them <laughs> right. of walking an aisle. Saying a prayer, confessing mm-hmm. with your mouth, mm-hmm. um, there, confess and be saved, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Repent, mm-hmm. baptize. There's all these things. So, unpacking this particular application is helpful to, for us to learn how do we unpack some of those other tricky passages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same principles of Bible study. Same, it same is principles. It is. 
Now, one thing that was, I thought, enlightening for me when I was studying this, too, is as I was going back into Luke's gospel and the message of John the Baptist and what John was called to do, um, what was helpful for me was um, to, to be reminded that John, what was John's mission? He was called to make way, make the way ready for the Messiah. He was the voice to make ready the way of the, of the Messiah to come. For whom? For, for, the, for this nation, for the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, as his audience was these Jewish people there at the Jordan River, and he's fulfilling his mission as the voice, preparing the way of the, uh, of the coming of the Messiah. He was doing that by calling people to repent and be baptized. Uh, and... Um, Christy Vocal, who's a member here at Fellowship and is uh, an Old Testament scholar, I, she probably wouldn't like that concept, but she knows a lot about she knows a lot about the Bible, about the Old Testament. Years ago, when I was teaching through the Book of Isaiah, she gave me some uh, insights into the mikvahs, into the wash. Oh no, it's actually when I was teaching the Book of Luke, hmm. uh, the Gospel of Luke, in this very same passage of these ceremonial washings that were all over uh, in in Israel and you see them um, see them there now what I didn't know what, what I hadn't heard before in in my study this for this passage is that those that ceremonial washing where the Jews will go walk into these mikvahs and be cleansed to go to the temple and there's various other reasons um, that was that didn't they did start doing that. It, that wasn't part of their religious culture <laughs> until around 100 BC <laughs> starting. <laughs> and archaeologists d- discovered this. That there was none of these washing pools prior to that. It's called sem- the, the Second Temple Era. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, starting about 100 BC and all the way through the time of Christ, they're digging these things up all over the place. So obviously, this these bath, these <laughs> ritual baptisms the were something new and they were very important in the in the religious culture of the people of that of the audience of the people of that day hmm. and so i think what what john the baptist is doing he was the baptizer the concept of the ceremonial cleansing to identify yourself with um the need for cleansing with with uh, an understanding of your of your need for this of the holiness of god um it just fit. He is a baptizer. He's taking something that was very culturally relevant mm-hmm. of that era, and he's calling people to do the very same thing that they had been doing, in a sense, mindlessly, religiously. Now he has meaning to it. But what was significant for me was its connection with Jeremiah the prophet. Mm-hmm. And I shared how that word mikvah, it's found, <clears throat> which is a Hebrew word that simply means the pooling or gathering of, of like of waters, uh, pooling of waters, gathering. Um, it's that word is used eleven times in the Old Testament, <clears throat> three times in Jeremiah. It's translated as the Holy One, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of Israel, and so um, in Jeremiah fourteen eight seventeen thirteen and Jeremiah fifty seven, and it's like what it's it's used all the other times of of a pool of water. Why Jeremiah would use it in relation to this coming one, this holy one of Israel, the, the, 
the fountain of living water uh, for Israel, this savior who's coming. He uses mm -hmm. it in, in connection with being a savior. Because that, and John picked up on that, I believe. And when he's calling people to be baptized, he's calling them to identify, you have, I, I'm making way for whom? For the Holy One of Israel mm -hmm. that Jeremiah said was going to come. So enter the waters, which is the hope. And as you enter those waters of the Jordan, you're identifying with the coming hope of Israel. Mm -hmm. You're saying, I'm aligning myself with this coming one that you're preaching, John the Baptist, this coming hope of Israel. And so as people did that, they were they they had agreed, they changed their thinking about that, they were aligning themselves. And of course, then they asked, So what do we do? And he said, Well, now bring forth the fruits that are in keeping with repentance. Mm -hmm. Live righteously. Prepare your life, your heart, for, for the coming of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. This was all the message to the Jewish people. And um, I just thought that was kind so of exciting. I have exciting. a couple questions. That I, I mean, do you think that the, the Jewish leaders of the day were adding to Scripture, essentially? Were they, were they adding and imposing legalistic components no. by, by having this baptism ritual and these baths and using the mikvahs? So it, but John was using it in a way that was shaping kind of the coming Messiah. That's right. And using that as an opportunity to then... Uh, point people yeah. to repent. Yeah. But it doesn't minimize baptism for us today. No. Because there's still scripture passages and, and the mm -hmm. call. So we're not completely dismissing the idea of repenting and being baptized. We're not at saying all. that we're there's, applying it correctly. We're, there's still a component for us today. Mm -hmm. And and you see that applied in the book of Acts. So when Paul gets to the uh, to the uh, um, Cornelius in chapter 10, he doesn't mention baptism because these are Gentiles. <laughs> <laughs> or the Ethiopian youth. And he doesn't actually mention repentance. Right. Uh, because they didn't need to change their thinking about who the Messiah was. Mm -hmm. But he, they heard the message, and in that sense, repentance takes place all the time. You, you're, it's a process of, here's the truth, now what are we going to do with that? Hmm. Ah, mm -hmm. he is both Lord and Christ. Boom. You know, and mm -hmm. so... so we change our thinking, and then we turn to accomplish or to, to in obedience to to um, publicly portray that in the water baptism, mm -hmm. and that's what you see in mm -hmm. the Christian church that was established here in Acts. But it doesn't come into focus until we leave this Jewish mm, right. initial chapters and start going into the and that's uh, what's Gentile. That's what's church. so important about continuing the value of biblical dependency when we discuss these things, because it can be easy to read Acts and be like, that's incredible, I want that. What's the fruit of the book of Acts in my life? It's the rest of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. If you want to see the fruit of the book of Acts, read the mm -hmm. New Testament. Paul is going to be the fruit of what comes of this kind of crazy interaction. And so then the question is, if he was there, if he was experiencing all this and going through it, and he's going to be a part of it here more and more, what does he go on and say then? And then that's where we we are continually in, in the fold. There are precepts and commands that know no expiration. There that's is right. scripture directly ap applicable at face value. That's right. Prescriptive. That's right. And even that prescriptive literature is somewhat progressively revealed. Because mm -hmm. Paul wrote, he had his early mm -hmm. epistles, and then his kind of prison epistles, and then he had his later pastoral epistles mm -hmm. that talk more about the church and the the organizational structure of the church and you know what older men should be doing and older right. women and th those type of things and so there was a, a progress even with that and and with that though there's not this 
um, art to deciding when God changes his mind throughout the Bible, it still all does fit together. It does not contradict itself. There is a narrative woven throughout. Yeah. We have a consistent God doing things that seem inconsistent yeah. because people are inconsistent, and, and it's just continually revealing the need for the Savior, the presence of the Spirit, and it, yeah. Well, our community group meets regularly, and this is a tough passage. I was not there last night for mm. our community group. Oh. A side note, it was our anniversary. So they could so, say whatever okay. they wanted about we, you. Yes, anniversary. yes. So we left them to their own devices. But We should have had Alicia here today. I know. Yeah, but, they were going to baptize. But I heard back heard. of what they said, and just a couple quick thoughts of what they, they said. There were a lot of people, I'm one of them, who's actually been in churches where baptism was forced. And so oh, yeah. there was that kind of component of this is what you have to do. So there is that history there, again, amongst people that attend our church, where there is a little bit of a stigma. So teaching on this was important. I was doubly mm -hmm. say that. But then there are other tough passages, and they're, they're hoping our call to you, Mark, was like, to go ahead and do this, to, to take special times out to, to hit these tough passages. And uh, we won't need to go there now, but as Acts brings out these difficult passages in this transitionary kind of narrative of prescriptive versus descriptive to to do it to go for it you know yeah. they're saying speaking there's, in there's tongues gonna is be, one or they're sure. on the list of what, do, what there's going to be questions go there's going to there's always going to be feedback uh, to certain degrees and angles there's always going to be something you wanted emphasize or something you wish they did this past sunday what if there was a modality where you could discuss that and there is be in a community there you group, go. get to a point where you can come together and say i had a i had a question about that right like yep. the, the 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 bigger culture we can create where the question is asked but it's not asked to mark like the yeah. better, the more we're all doing this and responding to it. And, and they did this. They did it last night. They looked up baptism passages. That's awesome. And yeah, went that's to huge. First Peter and went to other places where it's like, okay, wrestling with that and yeah, uh, unpacking, yeah. digging deeper into the sermon mm -hmm. of the definitions of repenting and baptism. Yeah. Baptism. Yeah, it's um, the sermon is not the end all be all, mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's still. It's important. It, it's important, mm -hmm. and it's a means by which mm -hmm. uh, we try systematically to teach the scriptures, unfold it um, as it has been written, and uh, and apply it. Um, and I think that the, again, the bottom line was: so, what does it mean to us? Mm -hmm. You know. And uh, my application was: I picked up on that idea of be safe in this perverse generation, and we live in a perverse day just as much. And mm -hmm. there is a need for us as believers um, to be rescued from this perverse generation, rescued in two ways, rescued from being shaped by it mm -hmm. and a worldview. And that's, um, and, and, and it's guarding against being shaped by any perverse view that doesn't align with scripture. There are far left, to use those words, far left uh, views of a worldview. They're totally out of whack with scripture, as there are mm -hmm. far right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so we come to the scriptures. But what Peter did, and we'll see it this, this coming week in the next sermon that he does, what Peter does, he goes to Jesus, the hope of Israel. M be certain that he has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. Um and the, the to be saved from a perverse generation is being um, well grounded, immersed in the mikvah 
immersed in the mikvah of our, of our Lord mm-hmm. and, and not detracting from that. And if Peter did that well in sermon number one, Man, he hits it out of the park mm. in sermon number two mm-hmm. next week when we get to chapter three. Yeah, so cool. yeah. I'll, I'll just elaborate also the idea of the entire worship time that we spend together. You know, the sermon is just is a component of that, mm-hmm. but experiencing the the songs, the scriptures, the the incorporation of our global church partners that we're going to continue to do in our worship times, and highlighting the word grace for this week was, I think, amazing how mm-hmm. it fit with this idea of where the sermon went, and it's you know by faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, <laughs> scripture alone for the glory of God alone. If you That's hit right. those five solas, you're, you're, you're nailing it. You well, know? And, well, and well, we're able to, I think, accomplish that in our corporate worship time yeah, together mm-hmm. and end with a song that's in Christ alone. Yeah. Um, and, and in that worship service, as, and we'll do it next week too, but in that worship service, these all these elements came together collectively in one. The church of the past, hmm. Peter in a sermon, the church in Nepal, Mm. The church here at Fellowship Bible Church. It was uh, in that worship service. The, the these elements of the of the Christ community all mm-hmm. came together, and uh, cool. it, that's very rich. Yeah, very rich. Yeah, hmm. gentlemen, thank you for being here. Super yeah. good stuff. Francis, what can we point people towards before we get out of here? Well, like I said, Thanksgiving's next week, so just happy Thanksgiving. Be thankful, we'll, everybody. We'll be thankful. But mm-hmm. immediately after that comes Christmas season. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a couple things for that that I'll just highlight. There is now what we have a new tradition at Fellowship Bible Church called the Hanging of the Greens. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of just having one or two people decorate the church, we are now saying this can be a family worship experience. Nice. And so on that Monday, November 28th, come on out that evening. And there'll be a little, little time of worship. Bring your family, bring your kids, bring your friends, and it'll just be a fun time of decorating the church to celebrate Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think we've done that only one or two years in a row now, mm-hmm. but it's gonna it's beneficial. We had great feedback from that, so that's coming up again in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then obviously follow the star, mm-hmm. right? So that following weekend, follow the star, we're gonna start challenging each one of you guys to say, who are you gonna invite? How can mm-hmm. how can we participate as a church together to serve together, but then also to connect with our community and uh, and bring people out to proclaim the gospel here on this campus mm-hmm. at FBC? Yep, walking um, tour, walking mm-hmm. tour. So something completely unique. You'll mm-hmm. want to experience it not just by yourself, but with other people. So yeah, bring them great. out. But there's plenty of opportunities to still serve. So oh, go to the sure. website for those yeah, details. Yeah, decorating for Christmas helps the facility standpoint. I know there's stuff, spots still open for Follow the Star, parking team, welcome team, I know. So Yeah, I, and I just want if, to, if there are new people, mm-hmm. new to Fellowship Bible Church listening to this podcast, just be involved in Follow the Star is a great way to get to mm-hmm. meet people, get connected. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um it's just a, a great opportunity to um, find out what, F, what FBC is all about, and you'll have a fun time doing it. Yep, it's good. As a reminder to our viewers and listeners, you can find us all over the place each and every week on your favorite podcast platform. Just type in Sermon Spotlight and we pop right up. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Till next week, much love, God bless.